0: Welcome to Believe, a Joy Yoga podcast, where I'll be interviewing people about how they've overcome limiting beliefs to become their authentic selves and achieve amazing things. I'm so excited to have you with me. Hey, everyone. So welcome to the podcast. Um, So today we're switching it up a little bit, and I have a returning guest on, Beth Beck, otherwise known as my super amazing mom. Um, And so today we're actually going to flip everything around and my mom is going to interview me, which I'm really excited about. Um, If you guys don't remember, she was on episode four of the podcast. And um, since we recorded that, I think she was still working at NASA when we were talking uh, then. So now she's retired. She's living in Texas. She's super amazing um, as ever. And uh, yeah, so we're going to dive into all kinds of things. So with that, I will kick it over to your temporary host for the day, Beth.
1: Hello, I'm so glad to be here. And if any of you listened to that uh, episode four, you probably heard roosters in the background. And uh, the roosters have moved, so now the background's a little bit more quiet. It's it's a happy and sad day to no longer have the roosters next door, but we sleep better. Yeah, that's fine. so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is an interesting. Kind of turn of events, because I know some of these answers. I'm curious what I'm gonna learn that's new. Um, but let's just dive in. So, um, especially we're we're commemorating the second book, which is incredibly awesome, and Thanks. I just had a chance to read it all the way through cover to cover. And I encourage you all to go out and get it, um, Beauty from Ashes. And so we've got the Believe book and Beauty from Ashes. This is the second book. So let's just dive in. What is your story and how did you get where you are today?
0: Yeah, so it's funny to be on the receiving end of this question because normally when I ask it, I, I get this like long pause and I know people are trying to calculate, you know, when when do they start with their journey? Um, so I guess... I'll kind of scope it to how did I get to like yoga teaching, book writing, aromatherapy, doing podcast making um, right. that you see before you. So I think I'll, I'll probably date that back to um, about three years ago. Um, I got really sick. Um, I talk about this a little bit in, in the first book, Believe, but uh, basically I, just, I was running myself down. I had a pretty significant life trauma, and so I decided to cope with that um, by – under eating and over exercising basically. So kind of eating disorder and and crazy exercise. I would be working out for like four or five hours a day. I'd have rowing practice in the morning. I'd go to CrossFit in the afternoon and then I'd come home and I'd watch like reruns of Castle while on my rowing machine for several hours. Um, So eventually my body had just had enough as bodies do. Uh, And I, I, I just kind of couldn't move anymore one day I just I was out running and I just actually stopped and I felt like I couldn't even crawl home if I tried. So I had to really reevaluate everything and go to the doctor and figure out, okay, my thyroids are my thyroid is shot, my adrenals are shot. Like how do I function with basically kind of the hormone levels of an eighty year old, even though I was in my thirties. So um so I had to stop everything and basically one day walked, was able at least to walk far enough down the block to, um, come to a new yoga studio that had just opened up that also had a juice bar there. Um, and I just went in for a green juice cause I thought, well, that'll, that'll make me feel better today. So, um, I saw that they were having free yoga classes and I hadn't done yoga in years. It wasn't like hardcore enough for me at the time. Um, and but I thought, okay, well I'll sign up for a free yoga class. And I'm pretty sure that at least is the kind of movement that if I, if I, don't feel like I can move. I can just lay in class. Like they tell you, you can take your little yoga nap and so it'll be fine. Um, so I just, I loved the class. I loved the atmosphere. It's actually the studio where I teach now. Um, they were just super chill and friendly and welcoming and it was exactly what I needed at that time in my life to start to spark, um, a lot of things that I found in the process of slowing down. So, um, long story short, I, uh, I ended up going to one of those classes one day and I was the only student there as it happened that one day. And uh, and the teacher and I got along really well, which would be Beth Wolf of episode three where we talk about goat yoga. Um, and so Beth uh, was the first one who encouraged me to go to yoga teacher training. She thought based on kind of the trajectory of my life thus far, uh, whether or not I wanted to be a teacher, I would learn a lot about breath work, about slowing down, about diving inwards, that would be really helpful to me in this journey. So that's really what kind of kicked everything off from yoga teacher training. I had the opportunity to do a lot of self-reflection and figure out what I wanted to be about. If I wasn't a rower, if I wasn't uh, a quote-unquote athlete, if I wasn't, um, you know, driven, if I wasn't making things happen and winning at life and whatever, what was I? Like, who was I? And so... Um, yeah, I started my yoga teacher training. When I finished that, I, I realized, um, you know, essential oils had been a part of my health journey, and I thought I should probably learn more about that. I want to see how I can incorporate that. So I got a, an aromatherapy certificate as well. Um, so I'm a certified aromatherapist. And then um, from there, books just started flowing. So Believe was kind of a, a way to, my first book, Believe was a way to incorporate lessons from my journey with. Um, kind of things that I wanted to give away, things that I found myself constantly saying to students in yoga class or to coworkers about, you know, what essential oils were going in my office, just kind of all the things that I found myself on repeat sharing that I wanted to encapsulate in one place. And so that's really the story of uh, of the first book. And I'm sure we'll talk about the second book, but that's probably enough of a Kind of ramble into how I got to to where I am today, uh, to start with. So yeah.
1: So overachiever, and here's what.
0: <laughs> wow, it's here I'm like... telling this story about how I, how I was able to slow down, and my mom's like, "Let me sum this yeah. up as Over- you're doing too much." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Fair enough. Well, I know it's like okay,
1: I'll do this one thing, and then I'll do I'll do rowing, and I'll do rowing until I get medals. I will do, I will do yoga. I'll yeah. do yoga until I get my five hundred our certification, I'll do t- until <laughs> yes, I
0: guess achievement does take different forms.
1: <laughs> well, I think part of it is that kind of learning process. If I have learned, and I know it's a family trait, but if I've learned this much, then how much more is there? Wait, if, I, if I've taken this step, how many more steps can I take? So we all have a little bit of that of, you know, it's now that I'm here, what's next? Oh, now that I'm here, what's next? So I think, you know, the books are a great way to as you have done is kind of step through your process of how you did get here, uh, missteps and um, barriers and frustrations. And we all have those and not everyone puts them in print as you've done. Mm -hmm. And I think what you've done, this is just me as a reader of the books, but also as, you know, seeing you walk through life, um, being able to share in a vulnerable way, as you've done with your books, it allows other people to, it gives them permission to say, um, I'm struggling where society doesn't always let us do that. And so I think a lot of times we need that permission to say, it's okay that I stumbled. Um, It's okay that I raced forward. It's okay that I took a stop and and took a breath. So
0: yeah, that's a really good good point actually, because a lot of what, when I was trying to kind of quote unquote win at life, um, it, it was just all a veneer, right? It was it was all coping mechanisms mechanisms, and though it didn't feel fake at the time, it really was because I can't tell you how many times I came across people who would tell me like, "Do you even make a mistake?" And I, you know, I thought to myself, "Well, yeah, I make mistakes all the time, but you know, what I was presenting was complete, hundred percent togetherness." And what that really taught me was that I was not showing any of the struggle, any of the vulnerability. And I think there's a fine line between over and undersharing. Um, I don't know if I would want to put <laughs> right, everything out in the world. But but I think what I found really striking and what I love about the yoga community so much and why it's kind of kept being a really uh, comfy place for me is that it. my experience is that people are a lot more open about their journey than in different other kind of communities that I've that I've been part of, and that was um, that was really eye opening for me because it taught me that I could do it too, and it wouldn't break me to show cracks and mistakes if that makes sense.
1: Right. Well, we have a couple of ways we can go with this. We can keep talking about yoga and how you got into teaching. We can talk about um, how you got the book published. So, which path would you want to go on now, oh and we'll hit the other path next. <laughs> Because you're kind of talking um, about yoga and teaching. Should we continue to kind of pursue that and how you, you know, what drew you, you, a teacher uh, pulled teaching out of you and then yeah. you, how, how did, how does, how does that flow?
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, the one flows really into the other. I guess you can just going into the teaching a little bit, um, as I mentioned, uh, Beth and then a series of other people uh started to tell me that I should take a yoga teacher training. And it's one of those things where um you know I feel like God just kind of like keeps giving you like hints or knocks on your door until you're finally like, Okay, 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 I get it. By the way, I'm really sorry. Right. My cats are having like all three of them are playing right now. So there's craziness <laughs> in the background. I don't don't even know what's happening. Anyway, um But yeah, so it was kind of like, I don't know, the fifth or sixth person. By that time, I was like, okay, I get it. You know, like I will look into a teacher training. And I didn't know what to expect. Um, I was actually really scared. And the first night when we're doing all these like kind of sharing things, and I was just like, I don't know that I belong here. You know, this didn't, it it was really, I don't know, trying new things is scary. And this was way out of my comfort zone. What was fascinating for me was the more I got into it, the more I was astonished at how it kind of fit my skill set in a way that nothing else had.
1: Um, you know, can you explain job. that a little bit? Yeah, little bit yeah. So, I, like,
0: I have my day job in the government. I I talk a lot. I solve a lot of problems for a living. Basically, that's kind of my my job. And so, um, so that fits some of my skill sets, right? As a communicator and as someone who's I think really empathetic and trying to get to the heart of issues, um, and resolve stuff. Um, I think I have a a lot of clarity that I, that I tend to bring to things like that, but that's only kind of a piece of it. And that was, um, and is, though I love my job, my day job, (laughs) um, it's, it's really draining. It's really exhausting. So it, it was kind of like a little bit of what I love, but not the whole picture. Um, things like, you know, rowing or even singing, um, you know, like my lost college album that I made. Like there's all different things that I've done in my life that have little pieces of things that feel like me. Um, but teaching yoga or at least in the training as I was starting finding my voice, it was the first time it felt like completely me. Um, there was something about the connection with other people where it was giving, but it was also learning. Um, So it didn't just feel like giving 100% away and then I was drained. It felt like getting back as well somehow. Um, It felt like safe space. It felt like teaching people to slow down, which by virtue of that helped me to continue to slow down. Uh, I got to combine music. Like I love making fun and funky playlists. Uh, I get to, you know, in some of my classes add Aromatherapy, in, which is a huge part of my healing journey. I get to share lessons, learn things from other people. Um... I don't know it's just like everything I love somehow encapsulated in this little bubble that I get to do when I when I teach and so it's so much more than just movement or exercise for me it's um it's it just feels like authentic connection with other people it's the kind of kind of thing that I've just always craved and and I think mistakenly found in other random places like trying to just put that in other people to fill me up and somehow this is being filled up but not because I need other people, but somehow because I am enough and they're enough and we're meeting in a place of everyone being enough. And then there's also yoga. So I don't know if that made any sense. Well, (laughs) here's
1: here's what I heard. Um, And it's an interesting kind of revelation to me as your mom. But um, I think of your job is problem solving. Yeah. And so you people bring you problems and you solve them. And so there's that part that's exhausting that there's an expectation, that there's a resolution for everything. So that can be, uh, I would think, very exhausting at some point. The, I think back to when you were in high school and rowing and your coach said to me about your um, your quad boat that you were the encourager and that you, you kept everyone going all of the time. And so that also, I think, back... On, to your office that's if you're keeping things going and keeping everyone moving and encourage everyone forward to toward a problem solving um and resolution Then that is exhausting Mm -hmm. and then the the yoga is enabling you to encourage and pull people but you don't have to solve so i'm wondering if that is that piece that's such a release that you get to express and you've got your artistic because you pull together all of the all the artistic things that you care about and, and music and um and movement and all those things but it, you you don't you're not required to resolve anything and so there may be that refreshing um helping people get to a place where they need to be and it's not your responsibility. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean?
0: Yeah, everyone in the, in a yoga class everyone's responsible for their own journey. And so I get to reflect some of mine, um things that I've learned, ways that they can dive inwards and and they have a guide for that because diving inwards, let's be real, if you're not used to going in looking at your stuff, it can be really dark and scary in there, you know? Like all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's, you know, stuff that you haven't dealt with from your past or things that you're just you know, like coping with in other ways. I and mean, when you get to the heart of the issue there. There's just, there can be messes in there. So people carry that mm-hmm. around with them. And in a class, I'm not responsible for that mess. I'm just, I'm responsible for my own mess and giving a little bit of light into how other people can deal with their own. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think one of my, one of my favorite parts of yoga is that it's such an allegory for life in that, you find a difficult posture, you're asked to stay in it, you feel heat and burn and build and you think, I cannot do this, but you do it anyway. And then when you come out of it, there's a sweet relief. And there is, even though that's a, a little microcosm of the macrocosm, as it were, um, that taught me so much about how, like the kind of tried and true, like I can do hard things, but, but like I can be uncomfortable, and then there can be healing out of that too. Um, and so it just showed me, it showed me a different way to look at the trials and tribulations of life. And and then there's mm-hmm. also something you know scientifically shown too about movement as healing as well for the body. So if you're able to sit in a place where your body's flushing out toxins, your heart and mind are flushing out this like similar kind of more ethereal toxins, you're moving through that stuff. And so, um, so yeah, so by, by doing that, by putting people in that place where they can kind of process things, I'm able to encourage them. I'm able to be there with them, but I'm not responsible for them in that they're responsible for their own journey. I'm responsible for mine and where they intersect. We can have a really beautiful experience. And I just, um, yeah, I just, I love having conversations with people in and after class. I love the connections that I've made, um, There's just a really, there's something really beautiful about that. And so, yeah, sometimes I'm tired after teaching, you know, however many classes a week, but it's a different kind of tired. It's like a satisfied tired. And so it's just kept me coming back. It's kept me wanting to know more, um, which is, as you said, why, you know, I went for my 500-hour training to be an advanced teacher, um, not just because I wanted to learn more postures. I just wanted to learn more techniques, more, more, more ways of experiencing language. I wanted to learn from others so that I could grow more and then I could share out of that growth. Um, and it's been a really, it's been a really cool experience. So,
1: yeah. So speaking of poses that release toxins, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what are your favorite yoga poses and your
0: least favorite? Where do you release your most toxins? Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, so, for for people who are not in the yoga world, I'll try and describe this and not just use a name, so you're not like, what are you talking about, woman? But um, it's it's actually funny. My it, they change all the time. Um, but my least favorite yoga pose is actually a pretty simple one. It's it's just a um, a forward fold on the ground, so seated forward folds. So your legs are out straight, your knees are kind of locked, so just you're extended, and then you fold forward over that and i don't know what it is about that i mean i know most people's hamstrings are tight so like folding over your own straight legs is challenging for people but there's something about it doing it seated that just ugh i do not like that pose and it's it's funny like nobody like nobody will tell you that's their least favorite pose except probably for me um and it's you know, i'm i'm pretty bendy so it's not like a flexibility thing there's just it's something about that pose i i, I yeah i'm sure i need to do some more reflection there's probably some reason for that but um well, see, thing. I can't
1: do that pose standing up because then I pass out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so no, so neither like, way, it's not good for you.
1: In a, yeah, In a seated position, I would still be yeah. alive like, and awake. A little, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I don't know what it is, but I tell people in class all the time, I'm like, now we will do the pose that is my least favorite pose, but I still teach it because I still, I'm sure I need it. You know, it's the ones that you don't like that are probably the best for you. So, um, <laughs> right. so I don't teach it often, but I do teach it. And then um, favorite, favorite pose. So my favorite pose at the moment is probably half moon. Uh, So for those of you who aren't familiar, it's a balancing pose. So you're, you're standing on one leg, but the, your hip is kind of open. So it looks like you're, you've got wings. So your arms are kind of out in space and you're standing on one leg, the other legs lifted. And I just, I don't know. Like a stork. Uh, I mean, you're you're op- like your body's open to the side. So I, I think it looks like I'm flying. And I feel like I'm flying oh. when I do it. So to me, that's the most, I don't know, like freeing pose there is. It's one of the hardest um, for a lot of people. But for me, it's just, yeah, I just feel like I'm flying when I do it. And there's so many variations I can play with. So it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a good one. So if you if so it's yoga. one of the
1: hardest, you would pick the hardest one, too. No, so uh, I don't know about that. I mean, like, honestly. I'm just making
0: an observation. It's just interesting because so, you go
1: to challenges. So you pick a challenging move.
0: Yes and no. So I, if you're going to go to a yoga class, what, the, what they probably tell you the hardest is, is like a headstand, a handstand, a like, uh. scorpion, a backbend, uh, an arm balance. Of the things that you can do that are not like, quote unquote, tricks, it's probably one of the most challenging because most people's hips don't open in a way it's that make that balance. really, yeah. So to me, it's it's challenging because it's subtle, it's nuanced, and and I have to be very engaged and aware. I can't really check out when I do that. So it's a different mm-hmm. kind of challenge.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about aromatherapy. Okay. Um, what does that mean to you and and how did you kind of I mean you've mentioned it a little bit, but kind of talk about how you fell in love with Aromatherapy. I
0: love that. Um so I uh was have always been interested in wellness generally. Um I've kind of like followed all the latest health trends and fads throughout my life trying to, you know, find whatever might work for me. Um but as I mentioned, you know, the start of the podcast when my health kind of took a nosedive um I didn't really know what to do. So I went to find a, a naturopathic medicine um, or a functional medicine doctor rather. And so we looked at, um, you know, kind of all the thyroid panels and adrenal panels <clears throat> that your traditional MD generally won't run. Uh, they stick with the, just the usual, oh, your thyroid's fine. Well, no, I'm actually really sick. So can you check like all the levels? So all that to say, I was really exploring alternative ways to heal myself because otherwise the doctors were like, you should be fine. But I wasn't fine. Um so I had heard about essential oils. Um, I think this was right around the time they started becoming really popular at like Whole Foods. And I had gotten a couple from like the grocery store and stuff, but they didn't really do anything. So I wasn't sure what the hype was all about. And a friend of mine who uh, went to the gym with me, Soraya Goddard, who's been a, a guest a couple of times on the podcast, was doing um, an intro class on essential oils. And I was like, cool. I know nothing about them. So like teach me. Um so I went and um, there was me, her, and one of our other friends and we were just having snacks and talking and we got to smell different oils and make stuff. And um, I took a blend home that was lavender and copaiba, um, two essential oils together and a little roller bottle. So I rolled it on my arms and on my feet every night to go to bed. And I slept like I had never slept before. I was so psyched then. And so when I ran out of that, I went to Sarai and I was like, okay, how do I get these? So that was kind of my first experience with essential oils was just seeing a big shift. um, Not just physically, but, uh, but emotionally mentally. And I, I didn't understand how like a little plant in a bottle could do that. And so I just wanted to learn more because, you know, as you said, with our family, it's always like, what else is there? So um, I'm a total nerd for for information in school. I just love it. So yeah, when I finished my 200 hours of yoga teacher training, I immediately went to do 100 hours of aromatherapy training. Um, yeah, I did. But the cool thing about that was I started to understand on like a chemical level, but also from so many different angles, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, which I've been studying, um, just like holistic, like emotional, mental, um, even traditionally and historically, how essential oils have been used for like wound healing and stuff, uh, back in the day and whatnot. There's so much to it that was really cool to add another layer to my understanding and then to a skillful application to myself, but also, um, in yoga classes. Like now all of a sudden I understand what oils I could use in a class that could help people to dive inwards with a little bit more support. Um, so kind of in a nutshell, uh, essential oils on the emotional level, they access the part of your brain where you house emotion and memory. And sometimes that can be locked up pretty tight because people, you know, can lock up that room pretty tight. And so it's just like in the same way you could smell you know, orange or smell cinnamon and you're taken back to like a Christmas long ago when you had this amazing, beautiful memory or whatever, um, like the limbic system through smell is is one of the best ways to access that kind of stuff. So when you pair up like an essential oil or aromatherapy with yoga, then all of a sudden, not only do you have the benefits of your yoga, the movement, the release, the diving inwards, staying in a difficult pose, but then you have a, like an essential oil, a scent to help you go even deeper with your mental connection and clarity. A lot of people have aha moments in classes where we use oils and then they're able to take that back. And if nothing else, maybe it's just a stress relief. Maybe they just feel better because they're covered in lavender and they had a very nice chill class. Like that's fine too. Um, (laughs) it doesn't have to be like deep and introspective, but, um, I think that's part of what drew me to it and why I just continue to love it. I love studying it. Um, yeah, I love how it's another layer I can incorporate into all of the things that um that I use for kind of my own healing and then to share that back. And so that's also why it became a key part of the first book, Believe. Um just because I felt like a lot of people don't really know where to get started. Like it's really intimidating. You know, they see like a company sells like, I don't know, two hundred different varieties, like a single oil and then blends and what do I use? And what kind and what brand, it's just all the stuff. And I just kind of wanted to simplify it. And so I could be you know, an easy go-to source so people could come and find out from my website, from my book, from my classes, from talking to me, um, how do I get started and what does this even mean? So uh, it's been, it's been really cool. And I just, I use them all day, every day, all different blends, all different brands, um, all different kinds. So uh, yeah.
1: Well, I love that you're my go-to source because you also introduced me into aromatherapy mm-hmm. and um, you always give me the newest and or tell me these blends work and I don't have to do the research because you have. It's really awesome and you yeah. always tell me when there's a new product. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, what is well, your favorite right now? Sorry, so go you ahead. you have yeah. your favorite blend or special oil for this season of your life? So
0: that's actually what I was just going to say was the, yeah. the the one that... um. Well, I'll tell a funny story in a minute but the one that I have in my hand right now that I like put on the on my wrist as we were starting to record is called valor um, it's mm. a it's a blend it's one of my favorites that um, the brand I use most often called young living has um, and so it has black spruce blue tansy frankincense geranium there's a couple other things so um, so it's this beautiful like deep, blue color, which is ugh, its already just like colors are fun. But, um, but frankincense and geranium and blue tansy in particular are really incredibly soothing. So this one is named Valor because it's called basically courage in a bottle. And uh, sometimes, you know, when you're doing like a I don't know, heart opening podcast episode. You need a little courage on your wrist just in case you get tricky questions from your mom. So, um, so I think this I haven't is, asked those yet. I know, right? So, I think this is the one I probably use the most often, um, throughout the day because it's very soothing, but it's also kind of, um, encouraging, enlivening. Um, but I also have a bunch that I use like every morning, and I put some on my wrist, I put some, um, some of the ones that are good for internal use in a wellness drink that I take. So I use them throughout the day, but probably this, this little Valor guy is one of my all time favorites.
1: Well, I have to say when you introduced me to thieves, cause thieves is now my go-to source. Whenever uh, I even think I'm going to be sick, I drop a little, uh, put a little drop under my tongue, which at first, I couldn't believe that I ever <laughs> it's very to let
0: you, yeah, drop me it's into, very sharp for those of you who don't know Thieves is. is a it's a blend of cinnamon, clove, lemon, eucalyptus, and rosemary, and so when you take it neat like that, um it's very it's potent, potent. <laughs> but yes, but it is it's a great blend to support your immune system. all of those yeah. are are really good for immune support, so uh, yeah, I take that a lot when I feel like. I'm kind of under the weather, or might be getting there. Right. It's it's a great way to help you boost your your immunity. Yeah, that's a good
1: one. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, you've touched on your health um, several times, so this yeah. may have been a question we should have done earlier. But <laughs> let's just talk about some of the
0: struggles with your health, and can you talk about that
1: a bit? And you know where you were, and and kind of where you are.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a constant journey, and I think one of the hardest things for me was gosh, it's just the mistakes that you make along the way, you know? So, um, so I have been dealing with health stuff for the last three years, as I mentioned. And while it's, it's definitely gotten better over time, I've had a lot of ups and downs. Um, so one of the biggest lessons for me in the last year was, I would say, I don't know, maybe seven or eight months ago now. So sometime early spring, um, of last year, I, felt better than I ever had. I felt like I finally am gotten back to quote unquote normal, you know, like thyroid levels looked really good on all of the panels that we did. I was able to go out for runs. I could teach yoga. I felt fine. I felt strong. I was very excited about life. I was doing lots of events and book signings and all kinds of things. And, um, I, and then I pushed it. (laughs) Um, so, so there's my life lesson. I, I, um, rather than doing any kind of real honest reflection about what I wanted to do or be going forward, I jumped back to what I was before. So I immediately thought I want to, I want to get back to rowing now that I'm better. I'll go row again. And like, this is not a knock on competitive rowing. I love rowing so, so, so much. And it's been an amazing part of my life, but I, I did not need to do that. Um, So within just a few months of trying to go right back into early morning practices and my day job and teaching yoga competitions, I went straight to master's nationals in San Francisco. And it was at nationals that I just felt my body just like, nope. Um, And you know, when you're racing multiple times a day, it's just I, I yeah, it was just it was a it was a really good lesson in what not to do. Um, and for me in not just assuming that, okay, I'm better now I can do what I did before and maybe it's, okay, I'm better now what I want to, what do I want to do next? So I'm still really honestly recovering from that. I have, um, more days full of fatigue than I would like. Uh, so I'm a little bit of a hermit when I'm not teaching classes or at work. I don't, I don't really go out much. Um, you know, I mostly see friends in classes or things that I'm already kind of out doing, but, to get me to, like, go out and do a dinner right now is like, uh, no, I'm too tired. I'm going to stay on my couch and, like, knit because um, it's stress-related. But, but I do whatnot, remember
1: but... when you – so I just interrupt her real quick. Yeah. I remember when you stepped back into rowing and, and you were thinking about rowing and you – before you jumped into the com- competitive part, it was the – how you felt on the water that really was compelling to you and you – you got back on and you just felt so refreshed and rejuvenated and then you went into the competitive side. So was um, that yes like, and, where's the yes balance? And no,
0: though, because yeah. so that was the feeling that I was chasing, but I think it was less uh-huh. to do with rowing and more to do with the feeling because even when I went back to start before it became a competitive thing, it's early morning practices, and it's it's a level of physicality that my body just couldn't handle. Got it. So I was more aware, and I'm very proud of myself for knowing this time when to stop. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was the feeling that I wanted, and not the thing itself. I missed sunrise. I missed peace in the mornings. I missed, um, you know, having a community, and I think there are ways that I can find that. Going forward, that are not as taxing for me. So, but I did, but yeah, I, I, think I didn't that, go to that well, level. You,
1: yeah, but I think your point was worth kind of repeating. You, you were chasing who you were versus mm-hmm. who absolutely you will be, and so that is a really good point for your listeners to look at. You had this imagination of what it was like when you were this person. And wanting that, and it's never like that. Our imagination always, um, I think paints either a prettier or an uglier picture. We have this kind of, we never kind of paint the picture when we look in the past. And so it's interesting to, when you kind of step through and go, it's not really, it wasn't all that great right?" or it was actually better than I thought or it was was so busy
0: or it was great for that. And it's not great for now. Right. And that was, so one of the, one of my very favorite teachers, um, who I was doing some, some Ayurveda consulting with, uh, which it's just funny as I'm pausing because like basically like our, our consult had everything to do with like my health and supplements and movement and everything. But um, somehow we got on the psychology of it all. <laughs> and so, what she told me just stuck with me in a way that I think I'll never forget. But she's told me that I seem to be pulled by things rather than choosing my path. Mm. And that was such a revelation to me because she's right. I mean, I went out running one morning and I really missed rowing and I immediately that day reached out and tried to sign up for class. Like the very next week I was on the water. I just, I had a thought.
1: So I, what does it mean though? Explain the pull. What does so? Pull yeah. Mean? So
0: I, so something came to mind. I felt like kind of pulled by it or drawn to it. I, like kind of sucked in interested. And rather than taking some time to give it any kind of thought, I went 10,000% at that thing, and I do that a lot um, as she was kind of pointing that out to me. Um, You know, some ways that are beneficial, but some that are not, you know, all of a sudden I see like a jacket online, and then I go right to the store and get it without ever looking at my finances, or do I really love this? I mean, there's a lot that, as she said that to me, kind of broke open in my world of, I I don't do a lot of time thinking about what I really want, like what will really serve me. Instead, I just I have something comes to mind and I shoot at it like a rocket. And then you
1: chase shiny objects. Yeah, so something is shiny. Exactly. And you're going, Let
0: me look. Yeah, and then because <laughs> like, I, I have this like feeling in me. Oh, it's just so exciting! I have to do it, and I've got to go. And um, the things that have been the most like lasting and and and. Helpful for me are the things that I gave a lot of thought to, like like yoga teacher training, even the advanced training. I spent months researching what was the best training program. Um, it, the things that like that, I I found. I took the time to figure out if it was right for me or not, and I made the choice. The stuff that I have dealt with as I don't know if mistakes are the right word, but definitely life lessons are the ones that I just like slingshot right out after it. I was pulled by it rather than choosing it um so that was just I don't know that was just it was very eye-opening for me so I had an opportunity with that uh comment which was I don't know not not that it stung at the time but I was like oh dang (laughs) um but yeah so it's it's been really interesting to then apply that to my life um in every way and be really thoughtful and prayerful about what I commit myself to if that makes sense
1: me jump into some of the questions because we've covered multiple questions in kind of the conversation. So let's maybe, um, look at, let's talk about how you got your books now that we can say book with an S uh, published. What's that process look like?
0: So, I mean, you actually probably would answer this, this question better than me, but, um, since mom is, a, is an aspiring writer and has done so many writers' conferences and knows the publishing world pretty well. But yeah. for me, um, as I, I realized I had the first book in me um, and it just kind of all started flowing out, which was crazy and amazing, I did a lot of uh, research to find out what might be the best fit. And so I actually went down the road of uh, self publishing, if nothing else, just because I figured I would be able to keep the content very me. Uh, and not adjust it to what might sell. Um, because it really, for me, it was less about selling books and more about sharing the story. So uh, I found a really amazing publisher, Balboa Press, and uh, they're a division of Hay House. And so they, Hay House publishes a lot of uh, people like like Gabby Bernstein. I think they did Catherine Budig's yoga, yoga book. So I went for people... Similar themes, and then um, Hay House had a, a self-publishing Wayne Balboa Press that um, that I published with. So, what was really cool about that was um, I got to be so involved in the design process um, as we went through and you know picked like cover art and marketing materials, and then all of a sudden like, I had I had my real actual baby book in my hands. Um, it was just it was it was really it was a really unique experience and. Something that felt kind of like a legacy um, in a way, too. It's like there's something I can leave behind in this world that I'm proud of. Uh, and I don't know why that just felt I don't know, really meaningful to me. So I used them for the first book and then uh, for the second one as well which I still haven't gotten my copy of, but it's supposed to be coming today. So I'm very excited to actually like hold my own copy of my real book in my hands.
1: Um, well, I have a copy of I know! Book, so I, I, I got can't it believe you it. Did.
0: You did. Everyone has it before me. They all went to Amazon, and the publisher hadn't <laughs> sent it to me before Amazon put it up. It was funny, too, because we finished the cover art, and then, like two days later, I just happened to check and they're like, it's been posted on Amazon. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I didn't know the book was ready. So surprise. Um, well,
1: and I got the hardback before I got the paperback. So I ordered both. And so the hardback came two days before the paperback, which is interesting. Funny. So I'd already finished it by the time the paperback came in. But yeah, they're quick.
0: I know. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I am supposed to get my my copy today, which I'm very excited about. And then I have some more uh coming because i have a few events this spring which i'm very excited about so um those are still in the works but it looks like i'll be doing at least one event in the dc area where i'll have um both of the books and some different like aromatherapy blends for sale so stay tuned uh for more details on that and then um I, I think a couple of uh, local studios would be having the books for sale there too. So I'm working that out. So lots of books coming my way so that I can pass them out. Uh, so you can That's find awesome. them lots of places. So, yeah.
1: So what's your advice for unpublished authors like me? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. it's my mom,
1: the aspiring. Author. Well, you are. You've written like amazing books. <laughs> I have lots of books. None of them are published. Well, i read them. <laughs> so What is your I advice?
0: Um, So I I think that my best advice is the advice that you gave me, Mom, which was to look up authors and genres that you admire, see who publishes them, and then reach out to the publisher. um, See if you can get any information on their their website, and then you can um, really go from there, do your research. For me, self-publishing was something that I could... I wanted to do, but also that I could afford to do. And I think that's not the case for everyone. So, mm-hmm. um, so if, you know, money is a significant factor for you and self-publishing, you're like, there's no way I can afford to publish a book myself. Then, um, there's lots of other avenues, but I think, I think my best advice is to, uh, not be scared to really share yourself in your work and then also not be scared for people to be critical of it because that comes with the process. But I think it's it's also the better um every kind of critique and feedback that I've gotten along the way has has made the the books things that I'm really proud to present to the world so um hopefully other people feel the same.
1: Yeah, I think um the one thing they always tell aspiring authors number 1 finish finish mm. something because you can never publish something that's not been finished. And the other thing is the follow through the follow, I've finished many things. My thing is follow through. It's just, I get, I get distracted by other shiny objects. So if I were, you know, it's one of those, ah, I'll work on this and then I'm working on something else and then I'm working on something else. So I think for you to be able to write the book, finish books, finish them, do the follow through, reach out to publishers, go through all the process you've gone through. It's, it's really, um, admirable and, Inspiring for for other writers, and I think what you said also about being vulnerable—it's very there's something about writing that's like showing people your soul. So oh, yeah. it's very very hard to let people like the first time you gave me your draft of the first book, Believe, and, and you and I don't know if I took like a week or there was something going on, and you you assumed that it didn't go well. Oh I yeah, I was like, you must hate to this read book. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. And I loved it. I just hadn't had a chance to really dive in because I wanted to devote the time to it. So it is very, um, showing your authentic self to other people. To that is a, it's a, it takes a lot of valor, which yes. is why you're wearing it, it with will. your aromatherapy, yeah. but it does. There's just a lot of takes courage to let people see and potentially reject the, the baby that you have. But you also, I think with writing, it's, it, you, uh, other eyes can help improve. So it's, you know, being able you can't publish if you can't share your work with even a critique group and all that. So I think there's just a lot of it. It's, it's almost a communal you are the writer, but it's all the other people who read and help that, that, um, you know, make the process go better. So this is me kind of answering your question yeah. to you and just how I see it, but I've, I've seen your process and it's seeing you be willing to open yourself up because what you write about it's, it's your authentic self that you're letting people see. And that takes a lot of courage. And you're also, because you've shown the courage to do that, you encourage so many others to, um, see number one, you give them permission that it's okay to to have struggles and to, you know, ha- to learn, to, to grow and learn about yourself. So you're, you're giving people permission to do that and, it's such a wonderful thing, and I'm so thrilled that you've Thank done you. it. And that, number one, you're a beautiful, poetic writer. It's just you're lyrical, even in your speech, as you're describing the things that you care about. And it's it's just a joy to Thanks, be a part of it. I'm getting all misty over fun. here. Oh, oh.
0: Oh. <laughs> all right, so back to the, the regular schedule program. Yeah. Well, okay. but it's it's um, true, though, because I think with the second book – so I'm actually surprised. I thought with the first book I would be more nervous about sharing my story, especially some of the the kind of like traumatic life events in there that you know people don't really talk about. Surprisingly, it's the second book that I am more scared for people to read, and I I have been trying to put my finger on that, but I think it's because like the the whole idea of Beauty from Ashes, the second book, is is about faith, and so it's about. um Struggles with faith, um, kind of the, the heritage that we all you know have or don't have. How you can have faith in yourself, your others, and in, in the divine. And so there's something about sharing my faith journey that just feels like letting people have my diary. So it's really, mm-hmm. um, whew. yeah. It's it's been um, it's been an interesting experience to share that, and it's been. It, it kind of eases my heart a little bit every time somebody says that they don't hate it. So,
1: um, well, I, I think the books are different. And the thing oh, yeah? that I found fascinating is the first book is in dealing with your um, traumatic experiences as you've described them. Um, it, it's more of a self-help book, allowing people, giving people some steps to walk through you know, how, how they feel or things they've gone through mm-hmm. and ways, um, to your, so the first book is, it's more problem solving. If I were going to solve, yeah. you know, kind mm-hmm. of sum it up. The second book really is a journey of who you are and what you believe. And it's not what happened to you and how you took steps. This is who you are and I found it um, very insightful and very, now, of course, you know, there's some, the first chapter is, thank you for writing such wonderful things about it. <laughs> So I just say, you know, full disclosure, it's nice. It's, she has nice things to say about me. But, um, you know, I I was in tears through it because you're bringing through some of our, with losing daddy and mm-hmm. the things, because we've, we lost him to cancer and um, so, kind of walking through some of those memories and seeing your, your view of what happened, and even my experiences through your eyes, is really it's so fascinating. But then, kind of the journey of faith and what faith means, it was just very insightful. And I could see how, especially in the world we live in, the first book is more, people are used to seeing that, I guess, and the second book is more, could be more, um, not mainstream anymore. I don't know how to describe that, but yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it was, it was interesting too, because the the first chapter is really talking about like faith as heritage, you know, something that Mm -hmm. that came to me by virtue of what my family believed and then exploring what I believe out of that, um, in the way that I think we all have that to a certain extent, what we were kind of born into, either culturally or with our family. And it was hard to choose. I mean, there's a lot of faith stories in my family, um, you know, on, like, all sides. And so it was kind of hard to choose. I found myself really struggling in the editing process of – I have so many more stories and so many more people that I'd want to talk about on my dad's side of the family my mom's side of the family and everywhere. And I was like, what do I even do? But um, so I really – again, going back to lessons as an author, it was hard to edit that so that you know Mm -hmm. people who are not in our family would still actually want to read through the first chapter (laughs) (laughs) and be like okay what's next like cool um yeah so that was that was that was hard to leave that on the cutting room floor but it was also really beautiful to remember all of those different experiences and different people um who have influenced me so
1: yeah that was really good well so back to a question that kind of comes out of book number one Mm -hmm. um unbelief, you know, is there an area in your life where you've overcome, I know we've spoken about many things, but is there kind of one limiting belief about yourself that you've overcome and you want to share with the listeners?
0: Yeah. So this is, you know, fair as turnabout, right. That I ask everyone this question. Um, I, I love this question because I do feel like it's kind of a great equalizer. And so no matter how successful you, you feel like somebody is or how untouchable like everyone's got stuff. Um, so my, my kind of unbelief or thing that I I tend to struggle with about myself that's not true is the one I find most commonly, which is that I'm not enough. So I think a lot of this has been why I've been so driven throughout my life to kind of win because if I can succeed or win, then I'll be loved, then I'll be enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just for others, but I think also I treat God that way too, which going back to the second book and faith journey, like that was a big eye opener about how do I – how do I understand kind of that unconditional love outward, but also upward, but also inward for myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's a big one for me. And that crops up all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly as something new and scary pops up in my life. I'm constantly bumping up against the, I'm not enough, um, kind of talk that I have in, in my own head. And so, um, the way that I, I deal with that is really the way that I talk about it in the in the book, right? I mean, there's so many different ways when you hit unbelief like that, that you can start to walk through it. And the, the most immediate way that I deal with it is as I notice, like if I'm you know in the middle of work and I start getting kind of clenched up and notice that I'm believing something about myself that's not true like that is I just take a deep breath. Um, when we're stressed, we tend to breathe up high in our chest. So I try just to breathe deep into the belly, um, take a few moments and then go about my day. Um, I always have some kind of aromatherapy blend going on. So if I'm feeling extra crummy, I'll just switch what I have, uh, depending on what I need and, and just try and keep working through it. I mean, it's, it's a work in progress. And with, with an unbelief like that, that's kind of like the the big mother of, you know, everyone has variations of this, like, you know, I'm not pretty, but that goes back to not enough, or I'm not, you know, it's like, there's variations of not enough, but that seems like the, the core one, um, so when it's, Well, I think when it's, it's the
1: core with society. So yeah. it is. As you said, you're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not rich enough. It's all you're enough. Not, it's all yeah. variations yeah. on enough. Not and strong so, enough. You're not... Exactly.
0: Yes. So when, it, when it's kind of like the core one like that, I think it's hard to ever eliminate something like that. But at least you can be good at noticing. As you like to right. say, notice the poison that you've ingested so you know <laughs> at least what to take, right? Right. Um, so I notice when I've been poisoned and I can see if I've got an antidote handy.
1: Awesome. So...
0: Um, in
1: wrapping this up, unless you have some other questions you'd like me to ask you, no, I'm good. I'm good.
0: How, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so um, so you guys, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, you can also always follow along here. You can subscribe on iTunes, which should be great. Um, you can visit my website joyyoga108.com. Um, I just added some new events and new classes. So if you're in the DC area, you can come to one of my yoga classes or some of the upcoming events this spring. Uh, You can also find me on social media. My handle is at joyyoga108 on Facebook and Instagram, so you can connect with me that way. And if you're interested in checking out one or both books, uh, book one is called... Um, believe. And then book two is called beauty from ashes. Uh, both of those are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can also get them from my publisher, uh, Balboa press. If you go to their website and search for my name and then, um, believe is also for sale directly from me on my website. If you'd like to get it there. Uh, once I have beauty from ashes, I'll be able to sell it to you, but I don't have my copies yet. So, um, <laughs> so for now go to, go to the one of the other guys. Um, but, yeah, that's, those are the best ways to find me. Um, you're welcome to reach out. Email is joyyoga108 at gmail.com. So I'm always happy to hear from you guys and really appreciate all of your um, amazing feedback so far. So, yeah.
1: Well, thank you for letting me be your interviewer Thanks and being the me. interviewee <laughs> for your own podcast. Hey, man. <laughs> it's
0: kind of fun to switch it up every now and then. So Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Believe Podcast. To connect with me further, please visit my website at joyyoga108.com. See you next time.